Say, before you, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer, not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. The scripture text today, again, comes from Matthew, the 20th chapter, verse 25 and 26. And the Bible says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know what the rulers of the Gentiles, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet, somebody say yet. He says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to be great, who desires to become great among you, let him be your, somebody say servant. servant. Let him be your servant. Somebody say servant again. Servant. Somebody say servant one more time. Servant. Well, this, you may be seated. This is going to be our third sermon in this series that we have entitled uh, The Year of Great Stewardship with a subtopic uh, centered around uh, um, Serve Your Way to Greatness. But today, you know, as we go forth, we're going to look at this from the standpoint of answering the call to service. Answering the call to service. And, you know, well, we said that when we serve someone, it's to wait upon, to care for them, or to perform duties or services for another. And also, service is ministry done for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Now, greatness in the kingdom of heaven don't consist of just, you know, consist of doing rather than just being. Specifically, doing for others rather than being concerned just about yourself. Amen? Now, Jesus did not condemn the desire to improve your position or station in life. But he did teach that greatness in his kingdom was determined by stat, not by status, but by service. Somebody say service. Now, Last week, we took a look at and learned from the parable of the Good Samaritan, where we saw that good stewards served their way to greatness when they exemplified neighborliness by showing mercy. Somebody say mercy. mercy. Showing mercy to those who are truly in need. And we show this level of mercy based upon our abilities, based upon the resources that God has already blessed us with. Amen? Now, today, we're going to spend the majority of our time in the book of Matthew. If you will, go ahead and go there. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through 16 is where I'll be focusing. Now, in this powerful parable, Jesus is further clarifying the membership rule and the reward of salvation in the kingdom of God. The parable addresses a situation that started in the previous chapter when the disciples were concerned about what was going to have to happen to them and how were they going to be received and what would their reward be when Jesus finished his conversation with the rich young ruler. And he said it would be harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Easier for than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And in that to return, the disciples said, well, we've been with you all this time. If they can't make it in, what are we going to get? So now Jesus used this parable to try to address that. And so the parable, in this parable, the landowner who extends the invitation of grace, and we're going to say that landowner represents God. And the vineyard is the place that God has called us to serve. So when he called us, he called us to himself, and then our job is to serve him. Somebody say serve now, this call to service first went out to the Jews, but it was always part of God's plans to extend grace. Somebody say grace. Grace, grace to the Gentiles. And we will see in this parable that the people will accept the call of salvation at different times in their life because it shows us that this call is ongoing. Amen? And, and, and what that said is that those who accept this call to salvation and service early in life should not feel superior to those who come to the Lord later in life. Amen? Amen. 
See, this parable is a strong teaching about God's grace and generosity. Therefore, we should not begrudge those who turn to God later in their lives, at different stages of their lives. We should celebrate them when they come because grace has been extended to all of us. Amen? And see, we must understand that God's grace is always available. And it's not just for the elite, but it's also for those who are left out, considered less than. Grace is available. Amen? And it's our responsibility as followers of Christ to share the truth of the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, regardless of their age, race, social strata, or material wealth in life. Everyone needs to be given an opportunity to accept God's plan of salvation and service. Now, how they respond to your efforts, your outreach, is not on you. It's on them. But once God calls you, he expects you now to go out into the vineyard to reach others. Now, I don't see many people's lives playing out where they don't have a possibility to accept the gospel. And I don't want to believe that many people are going to wait to the last minute. So I don't want to sound like I'm advocating for deathbed salvation. We don't want people to procrastinate all their lives. But those who come to the Lord, whenever they do, we must be willing to accept them. And, and I believe even the thief on the cross that was saved, deathbed, I believe if he had accepted Jesus earlier in life, he may not have lived a criminal life, and he could have died of natural causes rather than being crucified. Amen. Because I believe God's word and Jesus Christ would change us for the better. Now, before I dive into this parable, is it all right if I just ask you a question? And I want you to ponder this. At what age, of what stage in your life did you answer the call of salvation? In other words, I just want you to think about it. How old were you? You know, if you could quantify that, you know, for me, I would say I was about 28 when I got serious. 28. And I remember that as the time that I really committed myself to the Lord. But someone had been ministering to me years before. I was going to church as a little kid. I got baptized at nine. But I didn't really go into the vineyard to live for the Lord. I was baptized, but I considered going into the vineyard about 28. And so what I want you to see is that all of you got a time where you truly entered the vineyard. And I want you to think about that because that's important. And I believe we're going to find out that we all entered the vineyard at different times. We all answered the call at different times. But the call came out to all of us. And so when you answer, it's really not that important to God. He just wants you to answer. But I want you to answer before you land on your deathbed. I want you to give God some of the best years of your life, not the last years of your life. If you're online, I'm talking to you too. And so think about that. How old were you? I mean, you, if that was a real significant change in your life, you ought to have some idea how old you were when you got saved. Notice I didn't ask you how old you were when you started going to church. I said, when you truly felt like the Lord moved in your life and when you accepted the grace that was extended to you. That makes sense to everybody? So now when we look at this from that standpoint, you know, some of you, I've said this before, some of you may, you know, understand in this parable the times, but I want to equate them to four seasons of your life like we've talked about before, or four stages or four quarters of your life, however you want to look at it. 
So 0 to 18, I'm going to call that the first quarter of your life. 19 to 36, the second quarter. So some of y'all to be answering that question saying, hey, well, I was in the first quarter. But I got a feeling most of you were answered in the second quarter. Amen. Amen. And then 37 to 54 is the third quarter. Anything above 54 is the fourth quarter. Amen. Amen. And so somewhere you should have answered the call to go in the vineyard. Now you need to determine what quarter that was. And based upon when you went into the vineyard, you should have been laboring for the Lord, trying to get others to come into the... So now look at this, and I want you to see this first call. For the kingdom of heaven, in verse 1, is like a landowner who went out early. Somebody say early. Early in the morning and hired workers for his vineyard. Early. I wish we could all seek God early. I wish we would have all been in the early call, but I got a feeling most of us didn't make. We, we, early in life, we were doing something else. We weren't thinking about God like we should have, Cliff, in the early. But God was still seeking us. Now, this early call represented of the Jews because the call went out to them first. They got the early call. And a lot of them got the call, but they didn't accept the Savior. And so when the call go out to them, God still looked for them first. The word came to them first. Jesus even went to them first. But some of them didn't receive him. In other words, they heard the call, but they refused to answer. So he went out early. Somebody said early. Now, that ought to be applied to our family. Let's, you know, in the traditional context here, Matthew is written normally to the Jews. But to the church, that ought to apply to us reaching our kids. Your kids ought to be your first call. Amen. If you're here and you're saved and you got children, your first call ought to be to your household. Now, that don't mean they're going to accept it because you gave it to them early, but you still had a responsibility Y'all better hear me today. Now look at this. He says, he agreed. Somebody say agreed. Agreed. And I want you to see agreement there. That means they sit down and thought some things out and settle on a a point of payment. He agreed. Somebody say agreed. He agreed to pay them the normal daily wages. Okay, so we're going to say the normal daily wage just for simplicity, $100. And he sent them out to work. And they was happy because they knew what the normal daily wage was. And in order to understand this, in that culture, in that time, people got paid daily because they normally didn't buy groceries every, for a week at a time like we do today. They bought enough to sustain them for one day at a time. So at the end of the day, you had to pay your laborers because they depended on that. Is that making any sense to anybody? So they agreed to a normal day's work. Now, because the landowner was merciful, Cliff, and he had a good heart, he feel, felt like he wanted more laborers in his vineyard. Yes. And because he is the landowner, he can go out and get whoever he... Y'all better hear me today. So at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace. Somebody say the marketplace. And he saw some people standing around doing, don't you know that those of you who have accepted the call got some friends and family who's in the marketplace standing around doing, and it is your job to be concerned about those who are out there doing. And see, don't look at the marketplace just as where you go to work and where you live. Look, I, I don't normally use props, but this can be your marketplace. I mean, with one hit of a button, Cliff, I can talk to a hundred people. And if I want my own little Instagram and all the pages, I can talk to even more. You're walking around with the marketplace in your hand. 
and all you're doing is talking to one person at a time. When you could be texting your whole family. The marketplace. Because some of your family members are sitting idle in the marketplace. And you walking around with everything they need in your and you don't even extend the call. So they were standing around, somebody said, doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them that he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. Now, in this, there was a promise. The first group had an agreement. They knew exactly what they was going to get, Pee Wee. But these are the guys that you go and hire a little bit later in the day, Pee Wee. You done already got your main crew out there with you, but now you're going to hire some guys at the end, middle of the day, and you're going to tell them, hey, whatever is right, I'll pay you. And if they accept that and go, then they're putting their trust and their faith that at the end of the day, you're going to treat them right. Even though there are some others out there already pulling mud. Bread cutting grass. Already working, but now you come and get some others to come alongside and say, hey, whatever is at the end of the day, I'm going to pay you. So look at this. So by faith, they went to work in the vineyard. And at noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. In other words, you can see he's working his way through this 12-hour day, and at each appropriate time, he goes out into the vineyard to hire some folk. That making sense to anybody? And then now, because he's the landowner, see, Cliff, if it was me, after about 12 o'clock, I ain't going to try to hide nobody. I mean, 3 o'clock maybe, but I really don't need you for just three hours. You know, you feel like you want more, but see, that's not how grace operates. Grace don't look at the time like man does. God not, does not look at time like we do. So he said, now look, at 3 o'clock he went out again, and then in verse 6, it said at 5, somebody said 5 o'clock. <laughs> it may be some 5 o'clock babies in here. But grace. See, if you know what I just asked you about your age, you ought to fit in one of those time zones. When did you, and at what age did you accept the Lord? Three o'clock? Twelve o'clock? Five o'clock. Well, I don't think most of y'all can accept the five o'clock. Y'all ain't old enough unless you're going to die young. Now, Brother J.P., myself, and some of us, you know, we, we could have waited to that 5 o'clock because we didn't already, we, we're in the fourth quarter. Brother J.P. playing overtime. Amen. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And so what we got to see is that grace does not put a time limit on people, but it is always extended to people. And as followers of Jesus, we must always be willing to extend in spite of what the people are, what they're going through, what they're doing. We still have to extend. So look at this. It said 5 o'clock. Somebody say 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again. And he saw some more people standing around. Idle. Go to them 5 o'clock folks right here. Standing around. On your phone. In your contact. Standing around. And all they need for you, from you, is a text that talks to them about grace. Tell them that it don't make no difference who they are, where they are, what they've been doing. Grace. Grace. See, because we don't understand God's principle of grace, we're going to act like the ones who got hired first. Look at this. He says, after he had asked, why haven't you been working? They replied, because no one hired us. So it don't look like they may have been lazy, Cliff, like some people paint on the beat. They may not have been lazy. Cliff maybe just never sent me the text. 
I was waiting on somebody, but nobody. I showed up at the day laborers, but I sit there, and nobody came in and picked me because maybe I, they went, you know, I went what they was looking for. But at 5 o'clock, I was still in the place. And somebody had enough in them to come by and want to hire me at 5 o'clock. See, most of the time, we're going to leave a day laborer by 9 or 10 o'clock when the first wave is gone. But so what I got to see in here now, the other side of that coin, it could be somebody who's been hearing this word all their life. And they've just been rejecting it. I done heard it. Grandmama told me about it. Daddy told me about it. Auntie preached to me. But I just didn't want to. So I can't prove either way. But all I know is that answer was nobody hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join. Somebody say, join. Do what? Go and be a part of the ones that have been out there all day. Join. Go and be a part of the ones who've been in striving for 20 years. Go and join. We, we always ask people, do you want to join the fellowship? Join the church? And whenever they join, some of us been laboring for a long time. And now these newbies come in and they join, but they're entitled to all the rights and privileges that we are. When they join, not after they've been a member for six months or, or ten years, when they see, because when they join, it makes them equal with us. And people have a problem with equality without longevity. Oh Lord, Lord, keep me, keep me, keep me where I'm supposed to be going. So, so, <laughs> so he told them to go out and join the others in the vineyard. Now look at this. Then even, that evening he told the foreman, the steward, to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers. Normally it's last hired, first fired. But here's last high, first paid. Grace. <laughs> now Jesus did it that way. He could have paid the first, first. But in order to make his point to Peter and the boys, he had to pay the last, first. And to those self-righteous leaders who were listening, he had to use this to make the point that God's grace is the same forever. He used this to reveal the heart of that 20-year member in Strive who thought that once they got grace, the grace dose, all gone. Ain't no, Clifford, can't nobody else get none of this grace. But I dropped by to tell you that grace is in the house. Amen. Grace is in the house. So he told them to, beginning with the last workers, pay them first. Now, then those who were hired at 5 o'clock were paid. Each received a full day's wage. What is it, $100? They, they're in the pay line, Cliff. Peeling it off. 100 for you. 100 for you. Now, I'm sure that those of us who's at the back of the line and went out early in the morning, we was making some assumptions in our mind. Surely... If Cliff came in here at 5 o'clock and he got 100, I got to get the bag. Because I can multiply 100 times 12 hours. Cliff didn't work but one hour. So I, surely, surely. See, money will make you forget your agreement. When you see other people getting something that you thought belonged to you, would it make you forget your agreement? So, so I'm sure you all wouldn't have been like that when a new person joined the body. You wouldn't be back there thinking, surely, surely the Lord would have had me do that instead of, surely. 
I was the first hire. I went through the heat of the day. Before they even got a second set of chairs and I was here. Before they even finished the upstairs, I was here. I was here in the heat of the day. And, and here comes Jesse, the male Jesse. Here come Finley. The hard work is done. But their reward <laughs> I don't know, I just had to make that plain because if I don't make it plain, y'all think Jesus is talking to Jews, but he's talking to y'all too. Amen. 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 So now look at this. When you make assumptions without getting all the facts, then you know in the world we used to tell you what assuming to do to you, but I won't use that because we're in the church. But y'all minds, see, just like you know when you got saved, you know how to complete that. You know assume, yeah. Yeah, y'all know. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Unjust protest from a disgruntled worker. You know, you don't want to go to work with disgruntled folks because they just protest about anything. If you're an employee, Cliff, I know in your career, they've been known to have disgruntled postal workers. Well, I pray that none of those disgruntled postal workers go postal because they're disgruntled. Amen. Because ain't nothing wrong. It's, it's okay to be disgruntled, but look, you got to have a reason. We had an agreement. We had a contract. We had a deal. And if I don't break that contract, I have not done you But the natural mind would think, I was here. There's some privileges that come with being. I'm the firstborn in this family. I'm the oldest child. Yeah. But the fifthborn, the baby, get the same rights and privileges that you do. And guess what? You're going to train them up when I ain't here. What? Yeah. You're training them to get the same thing. Ah, oh, Lord, help me out right here. Now, look at this. So they protested. This is what they say. Those people who work only, somebody say only, only one hour. And yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who work all day in the scorching heat. We've been saved all this time in the scorching heat. And here come this little junior flip. Don't get saved. Scorching heat, Cliff. Now look at this. Let me ask you this. I want to do this right, make a little simple analogy. How many of you are under 40 years old? If you're under 40 years old, stand up. Just say 42, but that's exact. If you're under 42, you ought to know your age now. If you're under 42, you ain't got to, you shouldn't be thinking about that. If you're thinking about that, I know you didn't get the quarters then. If, you didn't, if you're still thinking about it, if you're under 42. <laughs> Jonelle, you ought to know you're under 40. <laughs> so now look around. Here's the analogy. Pastor Bolden been saved for 42 longer than most of you all have been. But now you may have accepted Jesus yesterday. And just upon that act of grace, you coming into the call, you're at the same place I am. And I could get mad and say, Joe Nell was out there partying three weeks ago, and now she's standing up and striving. It don't. Somebody just cussed their balls out two weeks ago. Yeah, but it don't. Because grace have a way of looking over things that bold them. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. I just, 
And so what I'm trying to tell you is that what we have to understand is that when it comes to grace, God makes the call, not us. And sometimes when we put ourselves in the position of God, then we hold other people back who walk it in the same grace that you're walking in. So, so somebody, look at somebody and say, it ain't unfair. And, and, if, and when I want to just be bold and tell you why, because God can do whatever. He's a sovereign God. And every rule he makes, we don't have to like. Amen. But if you understand grace, the young adults was talking about this the other night in that class, they understand now that grace didn't just get to, given to Adam when he messed up. Grace has been extended to all mankind even after. Amen. Amen. Paul said it. God's grace is so to deal with whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you done been through. God's grace is sufficient. So now, look at verse 13 for the answer. Because he owed them an answer. So, and I like the way he addressed them. He didn't come across like a Mad boss. He could have just said, y'all shut up and go paint the corner. But he answered them, friend. Friend. At 6 o'clock in the morning, Cliff, we was friends. Why aren't we friends now? I didn't change the relationship. So I still see you as a but you may have changed the dynamics of the relationship. But just so that you know where I'm coming from, friend, I haven't been unfair to you, Cliff. Didn't you agree to work all, someone say all day. All day for the usual wage. Didn't you agree for $100? Didn't I give you $100? Yes. So when you answer yes to both of those questions, it really take away your argument. So now he can tell them, give them a little order, nice order. Take your money and go. He could have said, I'm going to just keep that hundred. But because we had an agreement, I'm not going to break it. Take your money and go. Then he sent them an message. They taught me this in instructor school. That every now and then you're talking to your kids, you got to send them an iMessage. And when you send them an iMessage, that let them know you're serious. See, sometimes when y'all writing folks, you need to put I in it. I said, I mean, an iMessage. God used an iMessage to make a point. Jesus used an iMessage. People understand. I try to stay away from it a lot of time and use the we message, but every now and then, every now and then, mom and dad, the, the, the answer is because I. Well, let me read what, how Jesus used this our message. He said, take your money and go. I wanted to pay I. I, I wanted to pay this last work the same, as much as you. The same as you. Now look at this. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to? I? <laughs> Y'all better get this. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to with my money? You, do you know the answer to that? It ain't, it ain't against the law. I can do what I want with my money. Then he come back and say, should you be jealous because I am kind to others? See, when you give them two eye messages, they ain't got nothing. Wait. Did I break a law? No. Can I do with my money what I want to? Yeah. Should you be jealous? Now you got to ask that because either way, you, you caught right now. 
Should you be jealous? No. So the answer is, no, I shouldn't be jealous. But the answer is, well, yeah, I should be jealous. Well, then you sin. Right. I need to take your money back. Because jealousy is a... But I'm going to give you grace. Even in the midst of your argument, I'm going to still give you what I promised. But we are... Is this making any sense to anybody? And so, when you understand this, can you imagine how many of you got saved after you were 18 years old? Just raise your hand. I want you to stand up this time. Just raise your hand. After 18. You know, there ain't no doubt in your mind. Come on now, you know. Unless you, you know, got sprinkled early and you call that salvation. You know, but I'm talking when you really came to the knowledge of who Jesus was. Can you imagine what your life would have been like if God had made 18 the limit? If you don't accept this call or invitation to come into the vineyard by 18, you ain't going to get another opportunity. Y'all ought to be glad about grace. Amen. That's something to shout about right there, by grace. The grace of God. You know, I said 18. You know, some of y'all, you glad he made, gave it to 30. He I, for me, he would have had to put off, cut off at 30. I would have got in. If, if the cutoff was 30, I would have made it in. So I'd be shouting if he hadn't made the cutoff at 30. And then I'd say, well, I feel sorry for y'all who waited y'all at 31, 32. I, I got in. But God knew I'd probably get caught up if I knew how he saw grace. And if, and if I did that, then I would be looking at people like the Jews looked at the Gentiles. Thinking that they weren't deserving of grace. And God can extend his grace to whomever he wants. He says, and, and, the, and the other point I want you to make, don't be jealous because folk get saved because when you do, you take on the older brother syndrome. You get mad because you stayed with God long and at home, and you got saved early. So you didn't get all your pardon out of you. You didn't get all your wild living out of you. And now somebody got it all out. I mean, they got it all out. And then one day they came and heard the grace message. And say, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be a part of the team. And you sitting there saying, look, that rascal done, she done parted it all the way up to 40. Now she's going to run all up here. Lord, if I know you were going to let her live that long, I would have I waited to 42. I wanted to do some of that stuff she was doing. But your life may not be where it's at now if you had been doing the stuff that he or she was. So don't measure your grace against somebody else's time when they come to the Lord. Just be glad that you came to the Lord when you came. Don't worry about somebody else. Be glad that you didn't wait to your deathbed to accept the Lord. Stop looking at other people's grace and comparing your grace to it because it's all, all equal. It's all the same. Then in verse 16, he said this. So those who are now last will be first then. And those who are first will be last. You know, the Jews should have been first in line and stayed in line. But they didn't believe the story. Even though they had the story first. And then when these heathen Gentiles came along, they got promoted over somebody who had the word long before. But even if you got passed over because of your foolishness, you can be like Paul. Paul was a Jew who should have been in the first call. Born a Jew. Raised a Jew. Taught as a Jew. A Pharisee among Pharisees. He should have answered the call but for some reason, he thought Jesus was not the one. But one day, he got an invitation that he could not refuse. And once he accepted that invitation, that made him the same as Peter, 
James, John, Zebedee, all of them. He, it made him the same, even though in his resume, he was killing folk like them before he accepted the... Grace made him the... And see, that's why he kind of wrote kind of boldly as I closed in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, because he knew folk were talking about him, Cliff. This dude was a latecomer. He came on late. He didn't even walk personally with Jesus. He was out there killing folk. But all of a sudden now, he done got an invitation that he could not refuse. And what he's trying to do, he's living out that invitation. And because you live out your invitation, there could be some haters out there. But you need to tell them like we tell them in the world. Don't hate. Appreciate. Appreciate the fact that I'm serving the Lord to the best of my ability. Appreciate the fact that I'm not doing what I used to do. Appreciate that the Lord touched my heart, changed my life, even though it was at the 11th. Even though it was at the 11th hour. Paul said it more eloquent than I could. So I'm just going to read what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 8 through 11. And I'm closing with this. He says, last of all, though I, ha though I had been born at the wrong time, <laughs> salvation came out at the wrong time, I also saw him. See, the other boys walked with him, but I wasn't born at the right time to walk with him. Because when he was walking with them, I was going against them. But at the time when he designated for me, and he sent me the call, I also saw him. Even though I didn't walk with him, I... And he said, now look, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But I ain't even worried. After all the stuff I did before grace came my way, man, when you just look back at what you did before that time you accepted Jesus, you'll say, man, I ain't, boy, I ain't even worthy of the grace that I got on my life. I'm not worthy because of what I did. Some of you may have come and you was all right, but some of us came with a lot of junk, with a lot of mess, with a lot of issues, a lot of problems, but grace. Grace was still available. Grace is always going to be available, regardless of how you came to the Lord. God's grace is so. He said, look, I persecuted the church. Man, I, you know, I, I was, oh, Lord, I don't want to, oh. I was just out there. You know, some, some people, you know, we were just out there doing all kinds. Don't y'all sit here on this Holy Ghost field day and try to play me like you didn't. Like you did not deserve grace. You deserved God's grace. You needed God's grace. Grace came to us and made an invitation. Some was in places that we don't never want to go back to. All because of God's, God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. Oh, Lord. Paul, man, see, this is a man who didn't mind telling folk about his past because he wasn't trying to live in his past and his present at the same time. See, sometimes when you're trying to live in both places at the same time, you can't do either one of them effectively. So at some point in time, you got to deal with your past, get rid of your past, and walk in the grace that God has given you. Hallelujah! Glory to your name, God. You got to walk in this grace. You got to live in this grace. You got to believe that you deserve. God, don't put Paul here. Put you, man, whatever you did before Jesus. Oh, God. Whatever you did. You may have felt like you weren't worthy. But grace said you are. But look at verse 10. He says this. But whatever I am now. Somebody say now. Now, now represent I got grace working with me. Yeah. Whatever I am now. I don't care what I was then. Because I'm working with what I am. Some of y'all better step over into the 
now and stop living in the then. There's a different way of living when you live in the now and not in the when people can keep you living in the then, you're never going to experience the blessing that comes with the. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to get excited today. I really didn't even feel up to it today. But something just came over me to say, hey, somebody needs to understand that's God's grace. He says, but whatever I am now, it ain't because of me. It is all because God poured out his special favor. That's another way of saying grace. On me. See, something been poured on you, Brother Wilson. And whatever God poured on you, you need to walk in that. You need to operate in that. Because God took time to pour it out on Now look here, then, then Paul said, look here, this is where I, I, I need y'all to keep shouting, because y'all shouting pretty good right now, but y'all need to shout when he said it. He said, now look, he poured favor on me and not without results. Savior, I am not a wasted pile of grace. God poured grace on you. He expects to get some results from you. He, oh God, y'all better hear me today. He poured Jesus' blood out for you, and he expects you to take grace and do something with it. He don't expect you to sit down on your grace, do nothing with your grace, to be idle when you ought to be working and serving the Lord to the best of your. Paul said, what is not without we read out results? The answer is, are you getting any results with your life today? God looking for some real. He said he, he poured out his special favor. Not just favor, but his, the, the favor that can get me to heaven, even though I've been living like a dog. Special favor. And he poured it out on his old dog, but not without real. Now look, he said, look, how did I get the results? For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. In other words, look here, I am not letting God's grace go to waste. When it comes to God and the grace he poured on me, look here, Cliff, I'm going to do my best out. I'm going to outwork you, boy. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to grind. I'm going to grind. I'm going to grind. And I'm going to keep grinding. Why? Because his grace. His grace. His grace. You can put you right there. You can say, hey, God's grace is not going to go to waste because I'm going to work harder. Dang. Work harder. I love Peter. He talk a good game sometimes. He can be wishy-washy. He even turned his back on you. I'm gonna work. When you was on the cross, they were nowhere to be found, but I'm gonna work. <laughs> he says, For I have worked harder than any other of the apostles, any of the other apostles. Yet it is not I, but the great God who was working through me by his grace. When God works through you, whatever he assigned you to do, he's going to give you the grace. Because he's working your strength comes from him. And it's up to him to give you the strength you need because you represent him now and he's going to work through you. God is never going to try to hinder you from doing what he called you to do. It was God working 
through me by his grace. Now look at this. So he tells the people, so it make no difference whether I preach or them other boys preach. <laughs> For we all preach the same message that you already believe. Long as we preach it, Jesus, Christ, Son of God, crucified for our sins. Long as we preach the same message, then you operate in your grace. Let me operate in my grace. Amen. And as long as we work hard to our own capability, because your hardness may not be my hardness, vice versa. It ain't a competition thing. It's about I'm not going to be idle while I'm under grace. I'm going to be doing whatever the Lord called me to do while I operate in his grace. I'm going to share his grace on this instrument. Some of y'all just need to type up a little short grace message when you leave here. Send it to everybody in your contact list and let them know no matter when they came to the Lord, no matter when they answered the call, grace has always been extended. And they don't have to try to clean themselves up first. They don't have to try to get things right first. Look here. Grace is sufficient. They don't owe you no extra explanation of what they've been doing, how they've been doing, and who they've been doing it with. All you need to tell, I don't even need to hear that. God already know your case. He just wanted me to tell you grace. That's all I need to tell you, grace. His mercy, his leniency is that grace. That's the message that we ought to be preaching to people that we know that's still standing idle. We need to extend grace. If you don't remember nothing else I said in this message today, grace. Grace. God's grace is enough to change somebody's life, especially when they think they're unworthy. They don't deserve it. But you need to tell them, neither did you. But Jesus died while we were yet still sinners. Grace was extended. And grace is still being extended today. And we don't need to be like the first hire. Jealous. Because God is not breaking his agreement. He's given what he said he was going to give to those who accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Giving us all grace. Amen? Amen? Somebody shout grace. grace. Somebody shout grace again. Grace. Somebody shout grace one more time. Grace. Hallelujah! We thank you for your grace, God. Hallelujah! Whether we came in the first quarter, the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, or even right now, God, we thank you for your grace. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got 